And now, the Houston Football Show, brought to you by Inside Edge, with your hosts, Aaron Wilson and Jason Braddock. Yes, welcome in to Season 1, Episode 8 of the Houston Football Show. And we have great news. Welcome them. Our new title sponsor, Prime Social Poker Club. Yes, one of the classiest premier poker houses in all of Houston has now paired with the Houston Football Show. So Houston Football Show now presented by Prime Poker Social Club and Inside Edge. Welcome in my co-host, Aaron Wilson. How are you doing this evening, Aaron? Doing great, Jason. All right, we've got a lot to get to. As you know, Aaron Wilson is the NFL insider for Pro Football Network. Also here locally, he's the Texans insider for Sports Talk 790 and KPRC2. So the triple threat, you can see him written, video, audio. We've got it all, and we appreciate him uh, being a part of the Houston football show. We'll get more into Prime Social, tell you about them and Inside Edge later in the show. But we got to get back uh, into the show. This is all gas, no break, lot to get to. In season now with the week one review and a week two preview looking ahead to the Broncos. But first, let's look back at what we just saw this uh, this Sunday and review a couple things before we move on to the Broncos game. The punt. We've got you got to get your opinion out there. And Aaron, everybody's got their opinion. So I'm not sure if you were on record before live uh, and after you had time to reflect if, if that opinion was the same. But you care to share what that was? Yeah, I do. And. Jason, I think there's some perspective in need here. And a lot of people, it's like they forgot that they were 4-13 and last season or right. that they were supposed to lose this game when okay. Rodrigo Blakenship, who got fired today by the Indianapolis Colts, he lines up for a 42-yard gimme field goal, and he shanks it wide right. Right, right then, you're playing with the house's money, in essence, to not lose the game because that was the ball game right there. And you yeah, absolutely. I, I I love your take on it. And let me piggyback that a little bit. And I'll let you finish up on it. I, I, I agreed with it then. I agreed with it after. They were gifted. Like Aaron said, you miss a 42-yard field goal. Game should be over. You're given second life. Why give them another opportunity to leave there with a win and feel great about it for themselves in their division rival? I understand the old adage, you play to win the game. But that's just a static, you know, saying. You have to take variables into account. And I thought Lovey showed great maturity and that vet present as a coach uh, with the decision to punt there. The Texans, live in that moment, the Texans were only successful on 18% of their offensive plays in the fourth quarter. And, 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 you know, and so carrying that over into overtime. And then there on defense, they gave the Colts offense successful offensive plays 68% of the time. Everything said punt, thought it was a great decision. Anything else on that, Aaron? Well, yeah, a little bit. You know, the bigger decision was the third and one, and they okay. get stuffed. And, and, you know, I do take issue with that being the play that they called. And I, I just don't feel like that's the best play right there or the best personnel they can have. I think Damian Pierce should have been in for the third and one. If you're going to try to run the ball, run the ball with your best pure running back, your youngest, strongest running back, do that or throw the football. And I think you can always generally find a yard. You can complete that pass and keep the chains moving. So there there was some other options there. And I, I felt like Pep Hamilton, who had called a great game, that wasn't a great moment. And they said they'll fix that, and we'll get to more about Damian Pierce and their plans to try to increase his workload, and they were disappointed in not getting him more playing time uh, in the first game. But when you think about what they did, that was the precursor to the decision. But to me, the die was cast. You get stuffed. It's fourth and three. You're going backwards. Your defense is tired because you played them for too many snaps because Matt Ryan and Jonathan Taylor are just wearing them out. It was time to punt. I don't have a problem with it. And statistically, in terms of the standings, he's absolutely 100% correct. And, you know, I respect everyone's opinion. I just don't agree with it. And I thought that he didn't need to be under the kind of heat he was under in that press conference. And he, you know, he stood his ground, Lovey Smith, on Monday. He was sort of taken aback, you could tell, by 
And it was interesting. There were some people there you hardly ever see. And it was as if this was this big controversial thing. And I didn't see it that way at all. Uh, but everybody can have a different perspective. And then today, uh, to talk to a couple of the players, Justin Britt, Jalen Petrie, didn't see hardly anybody except for like, you know, the usual beat people that are there sure. every day, uh, like myself, like you, like some others. But I just thought it was very interesting. The heat that it was, I mean, they were <laughs> right. coming from. I mean, I was like, why? Especially for a team that the, the same people said oh, was the worst man. team in and, the and NFL. All, and all those guys, they stopped coming last year. They weren't there. I was at every practice, every game, not to pat myself on the back, but I'm just saying, right. Through thick and thin. And he's trying to do something. They're trying to build something. They're not there yet. They know that. They right. will tell you that very honestly. So a tie against a team that was supposed to kick your butt is not that bad an outcome. And I'm not, this isn't a loser mentality or you always play to win. Sometimes you just aren't going to win. But a tie in the regular season, in the first game of the year, this is not that bad an outcome. Their kicker got fired, and probably rightfully so, for those kickoffs that sound out of bounds. And they're moving on. And the Texans have to move on to the Denver Broncos. Yeah, and, and we'll get there here in a second. We're getting ready to move on to there. A couple things you touched on, uh, I want to put a little fine finale to. And uh, first off, going back to that third and one, the precursor, what you said, uh, I'm going to say the precursor to the precursor was the second and one. Well, Davis Mills wasn't the same quarterback. And we'll put that in perspective as we go a little bit long uh, on here on the broadcast tonight. But um, he wasn't the same quarterback after the blindside fumble there that kind of caught him by surprise. And Laramie Tunsil, to his credit, did point it out before. And they really didn't want to get into specifics on whose fault the miscommunication was. And I understand that. Not that big of a deal, especially week one uh, with preseason being played the way it is. But that uh, second and one, Mills had Nico, should have hit him, pitch and catch play there, first down, field goal range, you're moving on, we're not talking about anything else past that. But because that didn't happen, the third and one you're talking about, yeah, you're absolutely right, that should be Damian Pierce. Damian Pierce is getting you one yard, the guy's always falling forward, uh, creative, quick cuts, north-south. Uh, outside of that, though. It was unexcusable. It doesn't matter if Damian Pierce was in the backfield or not. Justin Britt whiffs on the block there and gets Rex Burkhead blown up in the backfield. And that kind of takes me into the next point. Rex Burkhead, Damian Pierce, you tweeted out the snap counts uh, after the game. Burkhead, 30 snaps to Damian Pierce's 20. Uh, 30 more snaps really blew my mind when you taken aback by this. I mean, especially let's put some perspective on it. The undrafted free agent uh, fullback, who was a pass rusher, DN, undersized linebacker in college, uh, almost played more snaps than RB1 and Damian Pierce, the fourth-round pick. And then, you know, adding a little bit more to it, Rex Burkett was the fourth most targeted running back in the NFL in week one. I don't, I don't understand how he gets that workload, how Pierce doesn't get more in the snap count. But were you as surprised? Yeah, I was surprised, but – what it revealed is how they feel about uh, Damian Pierce in the terms of the pass protection and pass catching and other aspects of the game when you're playing without the football. So when they did that, there was an acknowledgement of where they feel like he is at this stage of his rookie development. And they said, they're going to change that. They're going to, you know, make some differences going forward. But Jason, it was their job of the preseason for him right. and for them to get him ready to that point where, but obviously, you know, they, the coaching staff, they have to have the confidence and they do have it in Rex. Rex never makes a mistake. Rex has been playing this game a long time. Very fundamentally sound, very intelligent, very smart, hardworking football player. I don't want to denigrate Rex at all. Rex is commendable, but there's talent and then there's experience. And so they've got to get the experience for the talents. And at some point you just have to let him play and make some mistakes. You can't be afraid to play him and they've got to get him on the field more because he can play. And I talked to Damien afterward and he said, you know, in talking to his running backs coach, Danny Barrett, mm -hmm. he thought he was one cut away. He thought he was nice. close on some things. He thought that he could have made some more things happen. The stats don't really reflect. I know a lot of people are like, wow, you all hyped him up in the preseason. No, what he did was real. It's just the regular season is different, and we couldn't know for sure until now. But I still think he's 
all that he showed in the preseason. Absolutely. But he has to have the opportunities. And you mentioned Justin Britt. Yeah, Justin Britt said today he wasn't real proud of the game tape and he chalked up some of it to he didn't play any preseason games. Maybe he needed to. Uh, but, you know, I, I didn't think he looked very good and he's got to play better. I think he will play better as long as his knee cooperates. That's the thing I was worried about with him is his health. But <clears throat> not a great game by Justin to start the season and really not a great game for the offensive line overall. The miscommunications and some of it's not just miscommunication. I mean, there was some plays that you could chalk it up to with the EJ speed blitz. But what mm-hmm. about Pay? They just didn't block that man. Gotta, they got to do a better job. Two sack game for Quiddy Paid. One coming real late, third and twenty-two, late in the game. There, three man blitz on that one. If I'm not, I mean not blitz. Excuse me, three man rush uh, on that one. No, no sense for that one to get home. All right, but Aaron said it. Let's move on to Denver. The pass is the pass. We're only going to focus that first couple minutes of the show to it. Now we're on the Denver, as Lovey I think said this week, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, first off, before we get into the matchup here, Aaron, the Broncos lost. You know, Russ's return to Seattle spoiled by. By Geno Smith. Uh, Seahawks, to me, won this game. This is interesting. Uh, won this game with a parallel production model as the Texans did with the tie in week one. And what I mean by that, two touchdowns to back up tight ends there for the Texans and Seattle with one wide receiver getting the bulk of the production, whether it's Brandon Cooks or DK Metcalf or Seattle, from a quarterback who most people didn't think much about. Uh, and a defense that been but didn't break, getting key red zone stops. Is that the formula for the Texans to follow again what they did in week one and what Seattle did against Denver in week one? Right. You know, sometimes a game can be a blueprint and sometimes it's not. You know, when you look at Denver, you know, they had 12 penalties, so they really hurt themselves. They didn't have a touchdown four times in the red zone. They lost two fumbles after they snapped the ball at the one-yard line. So in the second half, three times they're inside the 10-yard line, come away with just three points. Very sloppy execution. That's on Nathaniel Hackett, the coach, and on the players. And then the poor decision with Brandon McManus to have him kick such a long field goal. Obviously, he has already admitted today that that was a poor decision, so he's had a mea culpa with that. And I think, Jason, when you look at what you can do against them, you know, you have to make sure that when they get, if they get these red zone opportunities, that you shut them down. Right. Can't let them get to the red zone. But, yeah, you know, for the Texans, I think it's a challenging matchup in many ways. They don't have a dominant running back like Jonathan Taylor, but they've got big wide receivers. They've got a quarterback that can make some things happen that's not easy to pressure. But it's a challenging matchup. It's a much different style quarterback. Matt Ryan, traditional pocket guy. Russell Wilson, double threat. So you prepare for that. And then they've got some defensive players like Bradley Chubb that are difficult to block. And so, you know, you have a challenging secondary. It's not easy to get open against. You have some good players. So it is not easy to compete with the Broncos. But the Seahawks, who many around the NFL have told me they thought they were tanking, they beat them with Geno Smith. So why couldn't the Texans win with Davis Mills? We're going well, to let's get into of- that. Yeah, 100%. I want to ask you about that because you touched on Russ a little bit. And I'm curious because I've always liked Russ, but I'm curious about this Russ. And I'll get into that Denver Russ. And will Houston see a motivated Russell Wilson, Aaron? Uh, you're pissed off, lost, going back to Seattle. Now you come back to home. You hear all the credits. Nathaniel Hackett got everybody down. Now they got a, a – a, a point to prove here in their home opener. Or are we going to see Russell Wilson, this new puffy, may, shiny, shiny suit man phase? You know what I mean? It yes, is- that was made fun of, actually. Uh, I, I'm, I'm reading an article in the Washington Post by Jerry Brewer. Really? And this, was, this was his lead. In a shiny mint suit and black bow tie, <laughs> Russell Wilson is overdressed for this awkward that, affair. It looked like that. he was going to a gala with his take sparkling that, shirt studs and patent leather shoes instead of a contentious homecoming. If he was expecting a celebration, he ended Monday night with a more subdued state of mind. Well, it's written by Jerry Brewer, Washington Post columnist. When you think about you know, the outfit, I'm sure it was important to him and he wanted to kind of you know, be spiffy for his trip home, but a lot of players dress up. That said, in his performance, it was underwhelming, but it wasn't like he just was terrible. Uh, it just wasn't great. 
and it's his first game versus regular so season. So who game. are you buying? Who 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 will the Texans see? What's your prediction? I think he's going to cook a little bit. I think it's going to okay. be good, Russ. I'm, I'm with a, you. Yeah, at home, I, I think that he'll be determined and they'll adapt, they'll adjust, and he'll find a way. I don't know if they'll right, win the game. I haven't decided yet if, if, who's going to win, but in my opinion, they're going to get all he has. And he's gonna I'm going gonna, to give my prediction. I've got my prediction. I'll give it a second half of the show. We only got Aaron for a little bit longer, first half of the show tonight. Before we get into the next segment with Aaron, which I like to call Aaron Predicts for week two, uh, let's hear from one of our title sponsors, Inside Edge, real quick. For our listeners looking for an extra edge, we are excited to share a tool with you that our team uses here at the Houston Football Show. My Inside Edge is a destination for sports bettors and daily fantasy players where they can access for free matchup-specific insights and projections to help make informed bets and build winning fantasy lineups. The insights are endless. You'll have access to game matchup notes, player props, leaderboards, player ratings, and much more. The real goldmine, though, is Inside Edge's five-star picks. During the 2021 NFL season, their five-star picks were wildly successful. They were 34-14 and 14 against the spread, a 70.8% success rate. Access to the five-star picks is only $20 per pick, or get the deal of a lifetime Every five-star pick for the entire year for just $149. What's more, our listeners can save 10% off this access by using code HOUSTON. That's code HOUSTON at Inside Edge. All right, he sounds sexy, but now back to the show. Aaron predicts for week two. Aaron, I'm going to just run through a couple guys here, uh, a couple different um, players, Texans, Broncos, heading into this week two game. I want your predictions. I want to know. So I'm going to throw out some different scenarios here. Have a little bit of fun here. Damian Pierce, first topic. Will Damian Pierce have at least a 60-40 workload versus the Broncos, with him obviously being the 60% of the – and I'm not even talking about full – I'm not talking about snaps. I'm talking about just carries. 60-40 workload, Damian Pierce. It was pretty close last time, you know, where it was, I believe, 14 and 11. I think it'll be closer to 50-50. And, you know, since they've stated how they want to do it, basically, that they want to up his carries, maybe instead of 11, maybe he's closer to 15. Maybe he's getting that much work. I like that 15 number. I, I think yeah. that's a sweet spot. I like where you, I, I like where maybe, you. I don't uh, think so. Maybe he's fifteen for instead of forty-five. Maybe he's like fifteen for sixty. That, that, yeah, that'd okay. be a pretty good day. A touchdown being better. Right, right, one hundred percent. All right, moving on. Another rookie, Kenyon Green. Kenyon Green outsnapped Justin McCray, uh, McCray uh, even though he missed most of the preseason. We know about the concussion, missing time, conditioning. You talked about outsnapped McCray, thirty-eight, thirty-two, week one. Does Kenyon Green get the start week two? They just came out with the depth chart, and obviously they're probably not going to tip their hand, but right, it is unchanged. Justin McCray. You buying um, or selling? I buy that he's still the starter. Really? I'm selling. Okay, we'll see. We're gonna. I, I'll know more during the week, or maybe they'll announce it. But right now, McCray's still the starter. We're on Tuesday. We're early in the week. True. But Fair yeah, I, I don't think that Kenyon did quite enough, and uh, I suspect there's a mistake, whether it's Laramie or him, on that sack, and he may have had something to do with it, but. You know, we'll chalk it up, rookie, first game, and, you know, you move on. But to me, Kenyon, while he's shown talent, Mm -hmm. the conditioning things we were talking about last week, that hasn't changed in one week. It's still there. It's something that's – it may take more and more football and more months before that's a lot different. All right, reel me back in. We'll we'll see. You're reeling me back in. I'm pushing for it. I'm gonna say I'm gonna go out on a limb. I'm gonna say Kenyon Green gets to start week two here. But everything you say is probably more logical. It makes a lot of sense. Let's move on. Davis Mills, year two. We know how dynamic he's been at home in his young career. Not so much on the road, Aaron. Will he be plus or minus on his touchdowns to interception ratio, or is it a push like they the whole team did week one? Oh, I think he'll be plus. He very careful with the football. I don't think he's all of a sudden going to turn into an interception machine. 
I think that he will be on the plus side. Oh, wow. Even against that Denver defense, and we'll get a little bit more into that defense. You mentioned Bradley Chubb earlier. We want to talk about that Patrick Sertain coverage and who he might match up here in a little bit uh, later on uh, Aaron Predicts for Week 2. But let's go on to the new guy, wide receiver position. Didn't get to see him Week 1, obviously trying to catch up on the playbook late in the town here. Tyler Johnson, will he be active? And for bonus points, Aaron, if so, will Dorsett, Conley or both be inactive? It's a kind of a toss up, but Dorsett's already on the active roster. I could see them having Conley down. Conley did have a drop that was a little bit of a low pass, but he did drop it. Dorsett, it was interesting because Dorsett had a penalty mm-hmm. and he was in and out for a while there. I was wondering, is he hurt or something? Yeah, he, he only had four snaps. Yeah, yeah he was just there. Like, he didn't even have his helmet at one point. They never announced right. an injury. I don't believe he is I didn't injured. know that. Yeah, he was uh, just sitting there on the bench by himself. So, yeah, I was wondering. never really got to the bottom of what went on with him. But very minor roles. The thing is that Tyler does not play any special teams, apparently. Right. So that might keep him on the bench again. Oh, and we'll wow. see All if right. he's going to be active. But – you know, there's some other guys that were down that I think they'd like to have up, including linebackers like Garrett Wallow. So, you know, we're going to see Rasheem Green needs to be up. How are they going to handle all of that? And it'll be interesting. And, you know, they brought back uh, <clears throat> for the practice squad. Royce, you know, Royce Freeman, yeah. Freeman, and then they signed a corner, Bo Pete Keys. So we'll see. I, I tend to think there are people in front of him still. But yeah, I could see, you know, him being a healthy scratch again. He just got here. There's a lot to learn. All right. Well, that's a little surprising to me. I thought Tyler could be active, but everything you said makes a lot of sense. That wide receiver position does need a little bit of a boost. Uh, The tight end position got that boost with a former teammate of Tyler Johnson, who also came to town late, just like Tyler Johnson. O.J. Howard, two touchdowns in just 12 snaps. Two. Let me repeat, two touchdowns in 12 snaps. Every sixth snap as a Texans, O.J. Howard catches a touchdown. That's all he does is catch a touchdown. Will he find the end? on for the second straight week? Oh, is this just more flukish, kind of like what we saw with Will Disley uh, sneaking through uh, there on the backside right. and I mean, kind of forgetting about him? test anything with him. He just right. ran against a rookie safety and Nick Cross just ran up the field and no one accounted for him. I do think that playing against Justin Simmons, it could be different. Uh, one of the best. <laughs> Fair enough. So, yeah, it may be a real slow game for all the tight ends against the Denver Broncos. All right, let's move on to the wide receiver position. But a wide receiver not named Brandon Cooks. Will there be a wide receiver not named Brandon Cooks seeing more than three targets this week? And obviously the reason I asked, last week Brandon Cooks 12 targets, Rex Burkhead 8. No other player on the Texans with more than three targets. And if there is one this week, Aaron, is it Nico or are you taking the field? Any of the other wide receivers? Nico Collins. Yeah, I would. I would. if someone's going to have a workload, it's going to be him. Do you think they get that, or is he going? Mills going to stay locked in on that, stay locked in on that one on Cooks. I think it could happen. I think that he's very comfortable throwing to Cooks. I think especially in a game like this where there's some, I would say, increased danger of interceptions, he'll probably tilt it to Cooks a lot. And I know this: they're going to try to run. They're definitely going to, I think, have an uptick on carries. That yeah, one hundred percent would expect that. Yeah, in some ways you have to play small ball a little bit. I think that they've got to the chance to win this game. They've got to play very close to perfect. They cannot yeah, exactly. Well said. I, I love that. The Texans' margin for error this year is so minimal. We talked about it all offseason, the preseason, and here going into week one, that their their plan, run the ball, time, you know, win the time of possession, move the chains, get turnovers on defense, and that turnover margin so key. And that's when, when the Texans gave the turnover back late, that's when the whole game changed because they're not built to withstand their own turnovers. I thought you stated that perfectly there, Aaron. You also talked about Brandon Cooks and that how you would lock in on him. We kind of teased this a little bit earlier in the show, talking about Patrick Sertain, second-year corner that has been dynamic since coming into the league. Big guy, got a little physical with DK Metcalf, not afraid to mix it up. Um, 
Do we see him mostly on Nico matching up sides? Or do we see talent for talent here with Sertain on Cooks? And if Sertain's on Cooks, does that change the entire dynamic of the Texans pass attack uh, with the guy who typically gets 70% of the targets being possibly well, as good up? as Patrick is, I mean, Stephon Gilmore, NFL defense player of the year previously, and, you know, he was trying to shadow Brandon, and they still were able to get the football to Brandon. So I don't know if it dramatically nice. changes it. All right, well said there. JGJH talking about Jerry Hughes and Jonathan Grenard combined sack total week uh, two. Will it be over under week one's total of two by Jerry Hughes? Great question. I think that Jerry at least gets one more sack. I don't know about two, but, you know, if he had two a game, then he'd set the record. But, <laughs> right. Uh, I, I can see him in another one. He's really, really looking good. He's in good shape. Absolutely. He takes great care of himself. He's commendable. First Texan to record their first interception. I mean, for, for, to record your first interception as a Texan corner, Steven Nelson, we saw with some lockdown coverage last week. Stingley had his moments in his first game. Who's more likely to get their first interception this week against Russell Wilson? You know, I would think Steve Nelson has a better chance of getting that pick. And he was tight was in the pocket. He was laying all the way out. That was such a great free agent value signing after the first wave of free agents for Nick Casario. It'll cost more to keep him, I can tell you that. <laughs> there you go. Uh, Bradley Chubb. All right, last one before we let Aaron get out of here. Last one of Aaron predicts for week two. You mentioned Bradley Chubb earlier. He had two weeks, uh, excuse me, he had two sacks in week one against the Seahawks. Now he was going against two rookie tackles that did play well. I will note that. But now he gets TNT, Tunsil and Titus. Can minimizing Bradley Chubb really elevate Davis Mills in this passing attack? They've got to figure out a way to get him blocked. But, you know, they've played pass rushers. It's not like this is Miles Garrett, but he's very good. And they're going to have to key on him and think of a way, whether it's chip blocking or other things, to try to contain him. But they've, you know, when you think about how good he is, it's going to be a difficult blocking assignment for this offensive line whose pride is stinging a little bit. You know, they are one of the reasons that the Texans didn't win the first game. So, yeah, it's on them to play better. Aaron, as always, thank you for your time. We're going to let you run. Got to know you got a lot going on. Tryout Tuesdays in NFL uh, visits. Always breaking news. Aaron Wilson, NFL insider for Pro Football Network. Uh, locally, Texans insider for KPRC2, Sports Talk 790, and obviously my well-appreciated and well-informed co-host, Aaron Wilson, here on the Houston Football Show. Anything else from you, Aaron, before we let you go? Well, yeah, Jason, you know, when I think about – where this team is right now, you know, they're in a transitional mode. I think they've got a chance to do something here, but these are the kind of games where, you know, maybe if the Broncos don't have their act together, maybe there's a chance to steal a win. I, Ooh, I wouldn't I like count it. the Texans out. I think that they have some opportunity to be in this game. They're going to be competitive in a lot of games. Their talent is definitely improved. And a lot of the things we thought about them in the preseason are, bearing out if they get a running game to go with some of the other good things that are happening on the defense. Mm. I could see this becoming a better team quickly. Well said, perfectly well said the domino effect there of getting that running game going. Thank you for your time, Aaron. We'll see you tomorrow. All right. Thanks Jason. Great stuff. Absolutely. All right, before we get back into the second half of the show, got a lot uh, in store for you in the second half. Flaws week two that we need to see improvement on. Understanding Davis Mills in the proper context and the true identity. Understand, I'll explain that a little bit. Also, I'll give you some assessments on the offense and the defense from the Texans in week one. But before we get into that, we did have some breaking news for us personally here on the Houston Football Show at the beginning. I want to tell you about that now. Prime Social Poker Club has paired with us as the title sponsor. We're so honored because this is Houston's longest standing poker room with a stellar reputation for class and quality. And it's not just a poker room. That's why it's called Prime 
Poker Social Club because it's an upscale social environment, fully stocked bar, gourmet dining, pool tables, dozens of poker tables, and uh, more games all throughout the venue. 21,000 members here. Yeah, you heard me right. 21,000 members at Prime Social Poker Club. You can become the next one for a lifetime member for only, get this, $10 in your lifetime member at Prime Poker Social Club. Daily and nightly turnings for as little buy-ins as $60 for as high as $5,000. Guaranteed prize money as large as $2 million. Open daily, 10 a.m. to close. And close means whenever you leave. If you don't leave, they don't either. Free play from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. daily. Happy hour, 4 to 9 p.m. Daily and get this, all of you out there that says, Man, I need to get back out there. I'm a grinder. I can really play. I want to play with the best of the best. Well, you're going to get your chance to prove it coming up. H Town Poker Open at Prime Social Poker Club. Four events over eight days, September 18th through September 25th. Quarter million dollars in guaranteed prize money. Our title sponsor, Prime Social Poker Club. All right, let's get back into a second half of the show. I want to talk about some of the flaws for week two here with the Texans. Aaron touched on this a little bit there in the first half of the show. And I want to go a little bit more into specifics of it. It's that interior offensive line pass protection. Yeah, Kenyon Green came in and he had a bad rep earlier, dropped his uh, um, early in the game, excuse me, where he dropped his head on the second level, whiffed on a guy, had a domino effect with Titus Manns kind of cutting off his path, leading to a block. And that's how. These things, especially with offensive line for, you know, your initial block, your combo blocks, your second level throughout, even your wide receivers on the outside, there has to be a continuity and a chemistry to it. And so Kenyon responded well from that, especially in the running game, played well the rest of the game. Pass protection still has, you know, to improve, obviously. Uh, but I, I think the guy has the talent, the strength and the mindset to get there. Um, I do believe, as I mentioned earlier, I think Kenyon Green will get the start this week. He outsnapped McCray despite all the missed time, everything, 38 to 32 offensive snaps. He's better than McCray in the running game. And even though he has to improve in the pass game, he's better than McCray in the pass game. The problem is, though, is that aspect of being better than your starter in the pass game and your first round pick still struggling in pass protection because your free agent signing A.J. can Great in the running game. Great addition to the running game. Struggles in pass protection. Your center, Justin Britt, and uh, his knees. <laughs> Let's just say that. Um, struggles in the passing game. So you have your ent entire interior. You've got these bookend tackles that TNT, Tunsil, and Titus. They're just so dynamic. One in Laramie Tunsil is one of the most flawless, uh, just like, what Arian Foster was at running back being effortless, fluid, like running water, that's what Laramie Tunsil looks playing left tackle with his kick and his technique. And that dates back all the way to Ole Miss days when he's shutting down Miles Garrett at AM. I mean, just looking effortless. Titus, Titus, let's call it sweet and sassy. You know, because Titus got the big smile, the perfect teeth, great personality, but he's nasty. Don't let the smooth taste fool you, as they say. Titus will bury someone every single game. And when he lines up against Randy Gregory, skinny frame, and Randy tries to get wiry, I expect them to, to literally put him six feet deep. I mean, that's how violent Titus, Titus plays, and he looks to bury you at the end of it. Glad to see him back out there at right tackle where he belongs. But my question is, how do you fix? this pass protection in season. I don't know if they have those guys on roster. You've got Justin McCray that rep left guard, right guard, center, all three interior positions in the preseason. You also got Scott Quesenberry they brought in that uh, just backup center, but he also is rep left guard and right guard as well. Is it to the point where they need to make a change and see if you get more from Quesenberry or if McCray can give you more at center? Because we're week one and we're talking about concerns on vets. Well, if we're week one and we're talking about Kenyon Green's concerns or Davis Mills after his 12th NFL start, that's one thing. The upside's still pointing up. They're still developing his growth. If we're talking about vets, 
And, you know, you probably get tired of hearing me saying it for so many years, but we don't get healthier as we get older. Or There's no limitless pill that he's going to get. And I mean, there's just it's not going to get better. That's what I'm saying. I mean, he's a vet playing the center position and you watch him trying to get on those reach, those stretch blocks. So he's got to get out and run and he's continuously short. He can get there out there on that block. Uh, he's killing. He's killing killing runs. He's basically the Jenga block of the offense that putting him out there brings down the entire tower. I guess the opposite of a Jenga block there. A little sloppy on the analogy, but I'm going to go with it. I don't know how they fix that in season. It'll be uh, fun to watch, though, and we'll see. Uh, even guys on the practice squad did not upside guys that are going to come in. I think you give you uh, improvement at the position. So that entire interior is going to be extremely important to watch week to week in the 2022 season. Three and outs. Aaron touched on this earlier. In Denver, Houston has to fix in th the three and outs. Again, there's a whole domino effect to this with the three and outs. Brandon Cooks catches that first uh, third down of the game. They move the chains. The defense is not back out on the field. Um, Chris Conley, yes, everyone, oh, it's a bad pass, it's a low pass. Yes, it was down at his knees. Chris Conley is an NFL wide receiver that gets paid millions of dollars to catch a football. If you put it at his knees, he needs to catch said football. It's as simple as that. I'm moving on. I'm not even debating it with you. Denver has to fix the three and outs. And those were two three and outs at the beginning of the game that laid the foundation for the Texans defense to play 92 plays, including two rookies in Petrie and Stingley in their first game that got 92 plays in. Now, glass half full, that entire uh, defense, Owens, Stephen Nelson, Stingley, Petrie, all playing 90-plus plays together. Glass half full, that's a pretty good on-the-job training to build some chemistry, learn how you play off each other, and to be able to pull out a tie against a team you are eight-and-a-half-point underdogs to at home. Uh, I think you take that glass half full at this point. But again, that domino effect of three and outs is going to be key. You can't do that. You can't let the defense get worn down to the point where they're playing 90 plus plays. And in the fourth quarter, again, they were only successful stopping 32% of the plays. 68% of the plays in the fourth quarter, the Colts offense was successful. It's insane. It's insane. And that just goes to play into the domino effect of the three and outs. I can't tell you how big of a key that is going into week two against Russell Wilson, who will make you pay. Uh, lastly, on these flaws and what they have to fix, uh, they have to play a clean game. We touched on this, so I won't uh, you know, go over it too much again, but we touched on a little bit with Aaron that their margin of error is so thin. And so you got to have the turnovers. You need to win the turnover margins. You got you can't have the three and outs. You can't have the silly mistakes and decisions. I mean, you're not built for that. You're not good enough, plainly said, as Aaron Wilson said earlier on the show. But one thing I think we're being a little bit too hard on the Texans is that the NFL, not just in Houston this week, where Blankenship missing a 42-yard game winner, kicking two, you know, kicking two kickoffs out of bounds, giving the Texans offense the ball at the 40 late in the fourth and in overtime, where they just need 25 yards to win the game each time. Uh, it looked like preseason week four, and I say that because not too long ago we had a preseason week four. Now we have a two-week, or in the Texans' case, a 17-day layoff between the last preseason game and then your first regular season game. So you have the layoff, you've got the change in intensity. There's no contact annuity. You've got new pieces. Let's not overreact to week one. And so I'm curious how clean of a game we see from the Texans uh, here going into to this game uh, with the Broncos. And the same thing on the Broncos side as well, because obviously they didn't have a clean game. All right, we're going to take another quick spot here for Inside Edge, one of our title sponsors. Hear from them. We'll come back and we'll run into understanding the proper context of what we're seeing from Davis Mills. 
For our listeners looking for an extra edge, we are excited to share a tool with you that our team uses here at the Houston Football Show. My Inside Edge is a destination for sports bettors and daily fantasy players where they can access for free matchup-specific insights and projections to help make informed bets and build winning fantasy lineups. The insights are endless. You'll have access to game matchup notes, player props, leaderboards, player ratings, and much more. The real goldmine, though, is Inside Edge's five-star picks. During the 2021 NFL season, their five-star picks were wildly successful. They were 34-14 and 14 against the spread, a 70.8% success rate. Access to the five-star picks is only $20 per pick, or get the deal of a lifetime Every five-star pick for the entire year for just $149. What's more, our listeners can save 10% off this access by using code HOUSTON. That's code HOUSTON at Inside Edge. All right, a couple segments left to go here on Season 1, Episode 8 of the Houston Football Show, presented by Prime Social Poker Club and also Inside Edge. Uh, Aaron Wilson typically joins me for the first half of the show, gives us his inside take, what his expectations are. Second half, I'll break it down, go over some different points as well. And I'm going to look back at some of the assessments on the players on the offense and defense here in a second. But before we get into different players, uh, let's, let's zone in on Davis Mills. I want to make sure we have a proper understanding of Davis Mills and what we're seeing from him. Now, is he going to make mistakes? Absolutely. This was just his 12th NFL start. I mean, most most rookies get that in their rookie season. Obviously, Davis Mills wasn't named the starter. Then he missed some times, went back to Tyrod Taylor after his injury. So he only had 12 starts. It's also his 14th game. What's crazy about this being his 14th NFL game, he only played 14 games in all of college. So he's played 28 games since high school. When you look at the top quarterbacks that's come out from the NFL draft in the last 10 years, going back to the 2012 draft, the guys who put up the best stats are guys that played lengthy college careers. And the stats they put up in those first 12 starts, and I put them out on the Twitter at Jason Braddock. You can go on my Twitter page, check it out, and you'll see it broken down a little bit more. I won't go into the entirety of it here. But you can clearly see, and to peel back a little bit of a scouting curtain here, I think it was Bill Parcells who used to always tell his guys as far as scouting, they wanted quarterbacks that played three years in college, uh, yada, yada, yada. Main thing I want to focus on is the three years, the experience, and how important that is at that quarterback position and seeing improvement year over year. Davis Mills slid to the third round. This isn't the number one pick in the draft. But if you look at the top picks in the last 10 years, going back to the 2012 draft, the quarterbacks that came out and produced at a high level, slightly ahead of Davis Mills, on par of Davis Mills, or slightly below him, they all have twice the starts that Davis Mills had in college and the NFL almost. Davis Mills had 14 starts in college. Russell Wilson had 50. Dak Prescott, 49. Justin Herbert, I mean, you just run through these guys and they're all high 40s. The lowest one of the bunch is Jameis Winston, number one pick in the draft. Put up numbers similar to Davis Mills. Right out the gate, played well. He was the number one pick in the draft, and he was the least out of all those guys that played well coming out of college. Uh, he had the least amount of games played with 27. Davis Mills has played 28 games in college and the pros. Only one game more than Jameis Winston played in college, who out of all the guys has played on par slightly better than Mills since coming out in their first 12 starts. I mean, it's insane to me. So, again, I just want to make sure we got the proper context. If I haven't hammered in now, I don't think I will hammer it in. And we're all criticizing him, but I think we got to give him some credit as well. I'm talking about how inexperienced it is, how the arrow's pointing up, and how he's producing with the best quarterback draft prospects of the last 10 years, despite 
the lack of experience. So he's getting college experience. And what I mean by that college rep experience reps, he would have had in college and would have learned on the fly in a sophomore year in his junior year. If he would have came back for a senior year and played, he's getting those reps, but basically he got a freshman year of production and his sophomore was being a starter in the NFL. What did he do with that at home in his home starts? He has 14 touchdown passes and one interception. Do you hear me? So I think we got to give him credit. Yes, obviously you can criticize what you're seeing. Aries, he needs the growth, and you want to see that growth, especially with the expedited um, focus, I would say, on the Texans finding out that quarterback question now. Davis Mills has to at least show enough this year not to say that, hey, the te- for the Texans, Casario, front office coaches and everybody, he doesn't have to show enough to say, hey, we got to go, you know, we got to go get a, a number one guy. We got to go to a franchise guy. You don't have to make them make that decision in totality. You've got to make them make that decision or push that decision back for at least one more year because they've got multiple draft picks the year after this. So if you can just show enough growth, you save your job for another year. But you have to show that growth, and they don't care your lack of experience. This is the NFL. you got to show up. you got to show that growth, or they'll get that development from a number one pick in the draft with all the collateral they have. But we do have to stop and say in this first 12 starts, first 12 NFL starts, despite the lack of experience since high school, 17 touchdowns, nine interceptions. Let that marinate for a second. And among all the second year quarterbacks, yes, the first round pick, uh, first overall pick, Trevor Lawrence, number two pick, Trevor, um, Zach Wilson, number three pick, uh, Trey Lance. What was Justin Fields? 11. What was Mac Jones? 15, somewhere around there. If I'm off, you know, write, write, write a letter to my bosses. Here's the thing. Out of all of those first-round quarterbacks, as five's taken in the first round, who had the best stats week one? The third-round quarterback with 12 NFL starts who threw for 240 yards, two touchdowns, zero interceptions, and a 98.4 rating. And out of all of those guys, only Justin Fields won. Davis Mills tied, all the rest lost, and Justin Fields barely completed 50% of his passes, and he beat Trey Lance, one of the other guys. The most impressive second-year quarterback was Davis Mills, and he's on a team that most says the worst team in the NFL, and in his first 12 NFL starts with a lack of experience, he's thrown for 17-9, and nine, and at home he's thrown for 14-1. and one. I think we may be being a little overcritical with old Davis. Let's give it a little time. Let it marinate. Let's watch the growth. Most of you have already said and come to peace with that. Hey, you're not playing for a Super Bowl this year. Enjoy it. It's not your job. It's not your career. Enjoy the growth, the development, and hope to see the growth because the draft isn't going to move up until November. It's not going to move up to October. That draft isn't until next April or May, whenever it may be. This is the bird in the hand, and it's better than the two in the bush. And it looks better by a long shot over a third round pick. Give him a little bit of grace and let's let Davis cook. Yeah, I'm going to steal it from Russ. Russell doesn't deserve it anymore. Sonny shoot, man. I'm I'm waiting for Russ to come out the tunnel in Denver this week and to see Puff Daddy just pop out the background. Take that, take that, take that. I just want to see Russ not even wear the Broncos uniform, just wear the shiny suit. Just be that. We're in full. And and I want to see Geno Smith after he dropped the one-liner. You know, they wrote me off, but I didn't write back. He killed that, by the way. I mean, that's just instant gold. He killed it. But I want to see Geno, you know, just just respond back after Russ came out in that shiny suit talking about, listen, if you want a quarterback who's not all up in in your – popping up in your music videos, all up in there, y'all too young. Y'all young kids not getting it. All right. So we got a little bit left to go. I got assessments. Week one, offense. Week two, defense. Assessments coming up before we get out of here. Uh, But before we do that, last read of the night, let's go and hear from Inside Edge. And so – Inside Edge, I do want to tell you a little bit about them. These are our title sponsor. You know, we also brought on uh, a new poker club as well. But Inside Edge, for our listeners, if you're looking for that edge, they they have the same tool. They actually made this tool. 
You've seen the movie Moneyball that uses analytics and brings in all the graphics and data, and they've been selling it to professional teams for almost 30 years. Well, they've now been able to release this information to the media. I mean, not to the media, but to all of y'all for free. MyInsideEdge.com. You can get access to the same insights, the same analytics used by all these pro teams, your favorite websites, PR departments. It's going to be stats that blow your mind. But if you got a little bit of the gambler in you, and you want to go out there and you want to win, you don't want to just bet on games. You want to win. Inside Edge has their five-star picks. And last season, they went a wildly successful 34-14 and 14 against the spread for a 71% success rate. Now, it's only $20 for a pick. Get all the picks for the entire season for $149. And guess what? If you listen to the Houston Football Show, you get to use our code HOUSTON to get a 10% discount off of that. That's code HOUSTON. All right, we're going to finish up. Season one, episode eight, strong looking back at week one, the assessments here, looking at that offense, Damian Pierce. Now, Pierce obviously didn't get the opportunity to show his best foot, but when he did show, I thought Aaron said something um, I liked early as well when he said with Damian Pierce, you'll see, you saw him show you flashes. Everybody's like, well, where's this guy? Y'all overhyped. I'll talk him up. And he's right. You still saw that same Damian Pierce. You didn't get to see him really get into a flow, build up that workload. Some of the blocking fell through. One time it looked like, well, they said he's uh, slipped on the logo there in midfield, but it looked like him and Davis may have clip heels there. I'm not sure. I need to go back and check that out again. But, um, I would say Damian Pierce at this point is TBD. He's to be determined. And it's funny, I got in my notes for the show, I expect Damian Pierce to have 15-plus carries this week. And if Rex got eight targets in week one, fourth most among all running backs, Rex Burkhead with eight targets, Damian Pierce would at least get four targets. There's no way you're telling me Rex Burkhead deserves eight targets and your fourth-round rookie that has some – has some ability to him quite a bit, doesn't deserve at least four targets in the passing game, needs 15-plus carries. Aaron earlier was trying to get out of him if he felt Pierce might get 60% of that running, those carries workload. Uh, he also settled around that 15-plus number as well. So I think we're kind of seeing eye-to-eye on what Pierce's usage might be this week. Uh, Nate, uh, Nate, uh, Troy Harrison, <clears throat> former DN, undersized, turned undrafted free agent fullback, that made the Texans roster out, out of camp as a rookie. Now, he played, you know, I, I expected to see a little bit more of a rougher adjustment. And you saw, yeah, he had a play or two that he, he'd want to have back, I think he would admit. But especially to catch out the backfield, you know, to plant. Now, he's not going to be able to plant that foot and cut up field. He's no dress, Jeff Driscoll. <laughs> Don't go crazy. But, um I just thought it was impressive for a guy who's just been doing this for a short term, a, a former DN, undersized DN, pass rusher, NFL game, undrafted rookie, comes out the backfield, makes that cut, makes the catch. I, I was impressed by it. It's a small moment, but I was impressed by it. Nico, we talked about Nico's Collins a little bit early in the show. Mills has to get more receivers in. Uh, involved. Nico at this point is to be determined. Uh, his blocking looked great in the game, and that's going to be pivotal as this offensive line's chemistry really starts gelling on running. Kenyon Green becomes that uh, solid left tackle in that running game. These guys can really get on the blocks, open those lanes. Then if they get towards those outsides, those wide receivers, especially your 6'4", 220 guy, that really gets to that second, third level to where those 10, 15, 20-yard runs could become houses housing it all the way. So uh, Nico's TBD, just like with Damian Pierce, we're going to have to wait another week. We talked a little earlier in the show how, you know, this was basically preseason week four. If you didn't lose this week, I think you're playing, you know, you're playing from ahead. Uh, so uh, you're not the Titans. You're not the Jags. Colts probably wish they came out 1-0. I think the Texans out of the entire AFC South probably feels the best about them, especially with what the outside expectations were, if you allow that to factor in. Uh, Davis Mills, has to progress past Brandon Cooks. 
Aaron said it early, and Nico should be the focus. I would expect him to be the focus, especially if Patrick Sertain is going to be on Brandon Cooks and shadowing him and following him throughout the game, playing physical with him. Somebody has to step up at that wide receiver position. Also, we touched, talked on uh, about Justin Britt, that third and one, a run and play earlier in the game on Damian Pierce, not playing to the whistle. I liked how he came out as a vet, owned up uh, saying that, he didn't put his best film out there. So uh, I'm not going to beat him over the head with it. You move, you move forward to it, but you need to see him make those plays this week. Can he make those stretch? At this point, I'm saying no. Go show it to me. You've accepted the blame on the mistakes there in the first game. Good. We'll move on. We're on to week two here. Make those blocks this week. And I think being that center and pass pro, he has to be that staple. He has to make sure everybody's on, on the same page. Can't be any miscommunications. You have your You'll keep hearing us say this all year long. You have such a small margin for error. If you want to play and you want to be in games and you want to win games, uh, you can't have that small of a margin of error, and you can't have false starts as the center. All right, let's get on to the defense, and we're going to let you go here on a Tuesday, go through the rest of the week. NFL kicking off on a Thursday night with a great football game, and then you've got the Texans. 0-0-1 against the 0-1 Russell Wilson-led Denver Broncos. We'll see. Aaron hinted that he wasn't sure which way he was going on this. Feels like he might pull out a surprise later in the week. Um, I'll give you my prediction end of the show here coming up in a second, who I think would win and by how much. Uh, but I'm, I'm intrigued to hear where Aaron lands at the end of the week because, yeah, I think if you asked most people a week plus ago, um, Texans, Broncos, they're going to say Russell Wilson and the Broncos by 20. And right now, even though the odds still seem to basically point and uh, show that way, I think a lot of people's perception has changed both on the Texans and the Broncos more towards a medium perspective to where I don't think, I don't think this is a double digit game. Uh, I'll give you a prediction here on a second, but first uh, looking at the defense assessments week one, couple guys, I want a bullet point here. Jerry huge dude was insanely good. Two sacks, force fumbled, interception, PD. He played like he was 25. And for a guy that's less than a decade younger than me, really made me start doing crunches. I'm, I'm lying. Got another sweet tea, sat on the couch, didn't feel the least bit bad of myself, slept like a champ. Jerry Hughes, though, has been better than advertised. Thought he would have been a little bit long in the tooth, lost a step, show you flashes. He played like a beast week one. If Jonathan Grenard comes out week two, uh, the way that uh, we know he can play and what he showed week three, week three through week eight. So week two is right about the time he hit that sweet spot last year and really started taking off. Gives you a week earlier against Russell Wilson uh, there with the Broncos. And if Jerry Hughes comes back with that same energy, those two bookend, uh, bookends uh, there on the defense with Malik Collins flying off the ball and the rotation of D tackles there as well. Uh, it could be intriguing. The Texans could push for that. Uh, Kamu Grugier-Hill leads the NFL in tackles with Jonathan Owens second. Kamu had 18 tackles, Jonathan Owens 15. Now, I don't want to poo-poo it. You know, they're both number one and number two in the NFL. You're leaving the stat, but when you play 90 plus plays as a defense uh the opportunity is a lot more than most people most people's opportunity but i mean kudos to him and i think the biggest takeaway from that is that they're legit kamu was making plays man i mean he's coming up he's attacking yes a couple got away from him but man kamu looked good in there but the guy i want to talk about of the two is the guy second in the nfl in tackles with 15 him and his safety partner the rookie jalen petrie this texan secondary is number one in the nfl in tackles after week one, obviously there's something you don't want to brag about typically because if they're getting to the third level of your defense, uh, then your front seven is really getting their teeth kicked in. And that did hold true at some points, mainly in the fourth quarter and later in the game. But for the most part, Owens and Petrie aren't playing like center field safeties here. These guys are flying down when they realize this, uh, when they recognize uh, they play instinctual, they see it, they recognize they fly down. And Petrie, there's a difference to them. Both of them double digit tackles, both played well, but there was a difference to them that made it 
uniquely fun to watch each one of them. First, you got Petrie, who's electrifying, flies around, and all he needs to do, and he kind of touched on this today, or a couple different things. He's got to harness all that energy and that explosiveness and put it on the right path, meaning the proper angle and the right GPS-type angle where you're not giving up another inch on it. And then when you get there, he throws that shoulder too much. Y'all remember DJ Swearinger, and one of the things that would drive you crazy about DJ Swearinger, he would come down in that box, try to lay a hit, uh, hit and throw himself with his shoulder to try to get the block out hit because he cared more about the big impact than the tackle. Well, NFL defenses care about the tackle. You know, if you got the highlight, you got the highlight. That's great. The fans go ooh and ah. You get excitement. People slap you on the butt on the sideline. That's great. Down in, down out, make the damn tackle. And Jonathan Owens? Oh, man. This isn't Mr. Simone Biles anymore. She's Miss Owens at this point with the way Jonathan Owens tackles. Jonathan Taylor, big back, top back in the least, coming up there. Petrie, Owens, neither one scared. But the thing about Owens, textbook. If I'm teaching my son to play safety or teaching him how to tackle, I'm saying go put on the Houston Texans and watch that kid, Owens, Mr. Owens, if you're nasty, because he's flying down in there. He's hitting you. He's wrapping up, and you're not getting out of that 90% of the time. Textbook form, excited to see this duo of Owens and Petrie develop and grow. Young guys, ton of talent, complement each other in different ways. And if Petrie can harness it, which we all think he can, and he uh, he gets that GPS-type location on his angles, that dude's, that dude's a weekly highlight opening every highlight show around the country. That safety package is nothing to sleep on. And after you lose, uh, Justin – Third round pick you had Justin Reed, uh, dudes up there kicking extra point in Kansas City. Kind of makes that not feel as bad. You get a couple guys on a budget there in your second round pick, pick Petrie, Jonathan Owens, straight value there. A couple other guys before we get out of here. I don't want to end on a bad note, so I'm going to bring up Ogbo. I had him last. Don't want to go out on Ogbo. Where was preseason Ogbo? Preseason Ogbo and preseason Derek Rivers are the greatest preseason edge rushers ever. Obviously, a lot of hyperbole mixed in with that. But what we saw from Ogbo in week one against the Colts was that we didn't see Ogbo week one against the Colts. My opinion on Ogbo after week one is that the Texans need Addison to come back from IR week five and Rasheem to come back as soon as possible. And if Ogbo's got his feelings hurt on that, I don't put the film out. I just tell you what the film says. This is your film. Go change it. And he's got he's got a couple more weeks before Addison comes back. He needs to change that or he's just going to be a no-rep guy buried on the depth chart because that won't do it. Playing wild, getting out of your lane, playing hero ball, and not making any impact is a way to find yourself off a roster. Ogbo is probably the biggest arrow down from the preseason to week one. Uh, let's end on a high note. The D tackles, let's talk about those guys. Kurt Heinisch, all you guys love him, just moves bodies, always in the way. But I want to talk about a guy that doesn't get as much love, a little less heralded, Michael Drumford. Drumford destroyed Quentin Nelson, and that is not hype. Go back and watch it. Quentin Nelson got destroyed by Michael Drumford, and if Matt Ryan doesn't move off the point, he has him a sack. I believe it was a third and two, and Ryan steps up to avoid it and slings the ball for the first down, if I'm not mistaken on that. Um, and then it was either the next play or two plays later, Quentin Nelson – it's got Michael Drumford so much in his head that he false starts. But because Quentin Nelson's Quentin Nelson, you get the little status call there. Like, no, nah, there's no way Quentin Nelson flinched on that. Let's call it on this guy, Michael Dr Dr Drumford. Drumford, what was it? We're gonna, it's easier to call Michael Drumford for getting into the neutral zone or whatever the call was. I forget what it was at that point. But it was a false start on Quentin Nelson. Two positive plays from Michael Drumford. It just came from one dominant play. And I'm sad to see him not get rewarded there in the moment. But, man, 
the D tackle and the rotation, if they're not if they're not having to rotate 90 plays, I mean, the whole point of the depth in the front seven is for the rotation to play minimal reps and be as healthy as possible. If you're playing 90 plus defensive plays, it defeats the purpose and you're playing regular season full snaps, basically for half a game, 46 snaps. It's a regular defensive game. So you've got all your guys in a rotation prepared for that, building up for that. And then all of a sudden it's like, all right, we only need you to play half these reps. Go give me 46. Wait, wait, what's going on here? All right, guys, we're going to move on. Broncos, Texans, Houston's first road game. Davis Mills has been stellar at home. He struggled on the road. Yes, he's only played 12 starts. Uh, in the NFL, still developed, still getting better, not seeing the growth with the receivers off of Brandon Cooks at this point. I know Russell Wilson struggled, but Russell Wilson's a Super Bowl winning quarterback, MVP type dude, and I'm mocking playing, playing with his personality and his suit a little bit here, but dude is a talented quarterback here, and He's pissed off going back to Denver. The people in Denver, he can't go in 0 oh, 2. I've got the Broncos winning this game. I don't think it's a double digit win. I don't even think it's a um, you know, seven point win. I, I've I've got I've got the Broncos winning this game by six points. If you tell me the Texans pull it out, I'm not shocked. But I I feel closer to the Broncos around a touchdown, a little bit less than that. So, yeah, I'm going to go Broncos by six here. But it'll be interesting to see because if week one showed us anything, um, (laughs) we know nothing. All right, guys, that's another week for the Houston Football Show. For Aaron Wilson, I'm Jason Braddock. And for Mark Larson and Johnny Danger Cole from iLogic Media, that's another episode of the Houston Football Show presented Excuse me, (laughs) presented by Inside Edge and Prime Social Club. Thank you for listening to the Houston Football Show, brought to you by Inside Edge.